Hello. <laughs> it's Polly and Hannah, and you're back with Culture Hang. For another our week. Our little culture gang. Yay. As we like to call you. Um, how's your week been? I hope it's been good. Yeah. Um, ha- Holly, how's your week been? Because I can actually hear your response. <laughs> and like the, the silence that I face when I talk to our, our, our little gang. Our little gang of friends. Um, my week's been alright. Has it been a yeah. week since they've started announcing all the um, vaccines for... Yeah, I think so. I think... I want to say that they start announcing them, like, Tuesday, but I have no evidence for that being a thing. It feels like... I don't know. There's no... It's hard to gauge whether to be... How happy to be about it. Do you know what? Like... Yeah. Because... I know exactly what I mean. When... Okay, I'm happy it's happened. Congratulations. Yeah. Well done, everyone. Yeah. Well done, Dolly Parton. Well done. We well love done. you. <laughs> yes. Dolly Parton has single-handedly cured coronavirus, coronavirus. And you, you can't tell me otherwise. That's what's no. happened. I refuse uh, to believe any other any other thing I will be told. <laughs> and but it's like, when is, but when is it going to be rolled out? And there's stuff in the news this morning. Like, it's Saturday. We recorded on Saturday. And yeah. they were like... Oh, by next, everyone's getting prepared for to roll out all the vaccinate, and it's like, are they? I'm, you you haven't done anything well this whole time. <laughs> Do I trust I think you now? No. It's hard not to be skeptical, isn't it? Yeah. I think we've had so many um, like times where they've been like, yeah, it will be done by this time, and then it's not being done, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it just has led to as us. I don't know about anyone else, but just not getting our hopes up and I think no. that's good I'd rather that we just didn't get our hopes up and then it happened and we would be happy than yeah. we had our hopes up and it doesn't happen or like it doesn't happen in the way we want like maybe they'll get the vaccines out but they'll only get it to the most vulnerable people which is right which is right that's, yeah absolutely but like uh you know just I think we just need to wait and see and yeah. I think that's better it's like getting a big surprise on Christmas Day. You want to... <laughs> it's you like imagine? you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they'll announce it. That's when, like, the plan What is... Christmas tree? <laughs> this this country and its obsession with Christmas has really bugged me this week. Because it's like... Okay, now we there is hope inside, but all the people saying, like, oh, we can't be in lockdown for Christmas and... Like, yeah, okay, I get it, it's not ideal. But how many other religious holidays yeah. do you think they did during lockdown? All and how many, like, did you hear them complaining? No. They probably complained, but not the amount that we're going, like, oh, well, yeah. I can't have lockdown. The worst yeah, Christmas. thing was Eid. I mean, I think, you know, yes. Diwali as well was terrible. Like, they, yeah. you know, Diwali and lockdown for a lot of people. But Eid, in when they were announcing the tea at the first lockdowns in Greater Manchester... And this yeah. was, was it the end of, I feel like it was at the end of August, maybe September. Yeah, maybe early September. Sorry, yeah. I can't remember when Eid is, but I remember it happened. Yeah. And they announced it in a predominantly Muslim area yeah. at 9pm on Twitter that this area was going to go on lockdown on yeah. the night before Eid. And it was like, they don't care. They don't care. They they could not care less about... They'll happily do that, but like Christmas Day is off limits. It's obsessive. It's awful. It's like... Oh, <laughs> all these people are suddenly so family orientated. Like, yeah. Since when? Yeah. Since when? Well, as a country, we are not like like I view America 
as very big Christmases, big mm-hmm. family gatherings, meh. Tradition, like. England, like, we are grumpy. Like, <laughs> grumpy people. And suddenly we're the most family oriented Christmas people ever. I just can't believe that. Yeah. Where did it come from? Where d- so, I mean, we used to, when people would get their Christmas decorations up in November, they would be shunned. Like, outcast. Yeah, yeah, shunned from society. <laughs> and suddenly. It's what that's you who do. We are. It's what we Is all need. Is this a positive move for the country? Who knows? Only time will tell. <laughs> but me and Holly have a lot of things to discuss yes, today. Yes, we do. So we'll get down to business. Yes. Um, so the, this isn't what we're going to mainly talk about today, but I'm very eager to know what went on with Trisha Paytas this week. I only know the basics, and I'm hoping Holly will inform <laughs> us all of what has gone down. I was so... I was so happy when Hannah was like, right, you just find out and then you tell me. Because I was yeah. instantly, I was like, Friday, no, what day is it today? Yesterday morning. <laughs> no idea. Love that mood. <laughs> Yesterday morning, first thing on my TikTok for you page is James Charles reply duetting a Trisha Paytas call out. So I was like, oh, something's happened. We're on for a big thing. So I'll take you back to the beginning. The start. Please do. Please do. The start is history. We need context. Stupid. Like the the whole thing that it's blown up about is ridiculous. And we are dealing with teenagers. Please, everyone, remember that. So the TikTok people, um, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio. Charlie and Dixie. I never knew the difference between them. Um, I'm still not sure. Don't they look exactly the same? Yeah. Like I, I cannot tell them apart. They could be twins to me. They. I didn't realize there was two for so long. I thought it was just one person. (laughs) No, there is two of them. And I still don't really know which one's which. So I'm very sorry if I get them mixed up. But I feel like (laughs) I think Charlie's the younger one. Charlie's sixteen. Yeah. And Dixie is nineteen. Dixie's the one with a very raspy voice. Like she sounds like she has smoked a lot. To me. Yeah, and I feel I like she's. I love it though. That sounds really rude, but I love that sort of voice. I wish I had that kind of voice. You just yeah, carry same. so much like gravitas and just. Yeah, you're immediately cool. Like that just <laughs> you just sound cooler. You could be the weirdest person ever. You sound very cool and chill. <laughs> so they have done because they've their family have now decided to like branch out with a brand as much as possible because they have yeah. so many followers um they've started a youtube channel like a family youtube channel called like the dominion yeah, family i had seen this which has I caused know, some controversy I... yeah and so in one of the videos they've started this new thing where it's like dinner with the Demilios, and they have their personal chef making a meal as they have a guest and like they sit around the table and talk can I, like can i just ask what were the D'Amelios rich before TikTok, or did they just get immensely rich in a short amount of time, and now yeah. they're doing wild things like getting personal chefs? I think they. Like, that's I think just wild. New. I don't think they. They might have been like successfully middle class like, in America. Yeah. But but like okay, so that's one thing to keep in mind throughout this that they are like suddenly got really wealthy. rich really fast, and that is yeah. especially for children. That is there. Uh, yeah weird that's very weird and especially off the it's charlie that's like the really famous one and i think she's only it's been like 18 months or something so that's a tiny it might have been longer but like that's so like fast to just be thrown into the limelight like how oh 
how do you handle that? Suddenly everyone's commenting on everything you do. Yeah. Seems pretty suspicious for a 16 year old. <laughs> I know. I just, it would just skew your whole, like, you've no idea who you are at 16 or you think you know who yeah. you are at 16 and you are. I just no... feel like I'd cry all the time. Yeah. Like, I'd read, if, if I was 16 <laughs> and I had her fame, I would read one bad comment and I would. Oh my that god. That would be yeah. my day gone. My day would be filled with tears. So. <laughs> So a lot of the background to this is like people waiting for them to fail, I think, as well. So what happened? Like I can condense it into like three sentences, what happened. So they have James Charles on and he's their first guest, and he seems to be the only the first person that's like he's kind of directing the conversations, he's really good at interviewing, so he people are saying like he's really he was really good in this situation because none of the family cool. really knew what to do. Because they're normal people and yeah. they, this is all very new to them and they're trying to capitalise on Anyway, so one of the things that is, this is a stupid part, one of the things that's brought out for them to eat is escargot, is escargot snails? Yeah. Yeah. You ever had it? I've never had it, no. It's the worst, like I've had it once and I felt like I was eating eyes. It's horrible. I think I have, I'm not that, I don't like bugs, but I'm not a big like scaredy cat bugs, but slugs and snails. I've stood on too many of them with bare feet for it to not be a trauma for me at the minute. So I get that. I feel like maybe if you went somewhere really fancy and they cooked them well, maybe they'd be good. But I can tell you firmly, it was like eating an eyeball. It was the it's the consistency you'd imagine if you've stepped on them a lot. Did it? Imagine instead of your clothes, your teeth. Did it pop in like when you bit on it? I want to say yes, but maybe I, this happened when I was like fourteen, so maybe I fabricated that. But I feel like it popped. I feel <laughs> like it popped. <laughs> I hate that. So I can't imagine why Charlie and Dixie um, decided to go with this meal, but I imagine for views, for well, humor. this is the thing. So they were like, oh, they were doing it for. They knew she would have a bad reaction, so they brought it out to like liven up the conversation or something. Yeah, but they are quite because they are teenagers and. They were making like faces when the chef was describing what food that was going to be brought. So they were like, just acting yeah. like kids, really. Yeah. And then um, I think it's Dixie actually like spits out and then goes and throws up after eats the. It's not that bad. So it's a bit dramatic. <laughs> She's dramatic about it. Yeah. Like, okay. That's a teeny bit dramatic. Like it's probably not that bad. It's no. Just... But if they're like picky eaters anyway, then okay. Yeah. You know, they're just acting like kids, really. Which people forget. Yeah, definitely. That they are. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I feel like... I don't know how old Dixie is. She's 19. 19. But I, I feel like, do people think that they were perfect as a teenager? Obviously, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. You weren't. No. Like, as much as you might think you were, you definitely weren't. You definitely did some <laughs> bad things. Because you were learning... And yes. that's what they're doing in a very strange way because suddenly they're like millionaires with millionaire followers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would want to watch that. But I can't say that like I'm angry at them for that. You know. And I think it's if this is a new thing they're trying out, they're not thinking, "Oh, I need to act in my persona in front of the camera." It's just like I'm gonna have. Yeah. My like this is how I I'm a picky eater, so you just don't think about the way that you act. And then um, I think Charlie asked if they have any Dino nuggets, and that also people just like piled on on her for 
So that was kind of like the stupid part. They were just making faces. Okay. They weren't being as grateful as people thought they should have been for having a but personal I, chef. <laughs> I don't think that's probably what they're actually like. I think they were doing that because they thought they would get views if they did that. Like, I mean, they, do you really want to just sit there and watch them have a quiet meal? Or do you want to like see them do some... Like weird stuff and get angry and spit out snails and then like eat dino nuggets. Like I, I don't think that's what they're like. I think they're like, okay, we'll do, we'll act, we'll over exaggerate everything, because it'd be really boring if they were just eating a, their dinner. You know, you could watch anyone eat dinner. Yeah, and it would be pretty boring. So that was like kind of the first bit, and then the second bit that people really um, objected to was. Charlie said that she it's nearly coming up to a year since she got a million followers on TikTok and now she is she would like oh it'd be really nice if I got a hundred million because she's at 95 at the minute um for her like one year by the end of the year like one year anniversary kind of thing that's that amount of people is I can't picture it like 95 million followers I couldn't register it I can't even think about that amount of people. <laughs> I don't How? Know, what like, happened? It, this is not to take away from her success at all, but part of me is like, if you're, okay, this is different from being an influencer, but if you're doing something you're passionate about, I feel like I'd kind of want, like, I don't know that I'd want that amount of people following me because I'd want to kind of feel more like I had more of a close-knit community than, like, just yeah. a bunch of people yeah. following me. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Um, because obviously it's different if you've got like a hundred million um subscribers. I'm sure that feels very nice. So, I, yeah, maybe I'm not the one to comment. <laughs> but yeah, but so she said that, and then James Charles was like, "What is ninety five million not enough?" But he's joking, and he's like kind of leading them, and they yeah. always say that they go to him for advice because he's gone through kind of what they're going through, lots of yeah. public attention trying to create stuff and they're all kind of branching out to youtube now so um people were really saying that she wasn't grateful that it felt like she was just taking they were just numbers to her so people were just like going on so that was what the original drama that happened then trisha paytas (sighs) trisha paytas the girl the girl who has spent like the past weeks on tiktok saying like how wrong it was that she was cancelled and how grateful she is that everyone loves her now because she never really did anything wrong and like what was she meant to apologize for and everyone in the comments being like oh yeah everything. we love you i stand yeah. her i have to stand her despite the blatant anti-semitism but yeah go go off trish <laughs> so, so what did trisha do I didn't know that she had spent the past week doing that, but that makes what's happened now even worse. So she makes, like, I don't know, maybe 10 TikToks about... She ju- she jumps on the, like, um, slagging off the D'Amelio sisters and be like, they're so ungrateful, um, they're so picky, like, they don't... Like, this is not... This is so bad. Like, your parents should have not raised you well. Like, this kind of stuff. Then... I'm so... Like... Sorry to interject, but she is in what thir- in her thirties, mid thirties maybe, and she this... buys like, well, she like spends her time buying like 
I've watched one video where she's bought the same designer bag twice and she didn't even realise. That's how much designer stuff she buys. She buys all the time. I think that's irresponsible. I think that's not how a person should be raised. I don't say that because that's none of my business. You can think that. But, like, I'm not attacking her. And yet she's coming out of the woodwork and attacking children. She piles on and is making all these videos and being really judgmental and deciding that everyone needs to hear her opinion even though they don't need to hear like it's nothing to do with you but she's just trying to be relevant so she responds to james charles he puts a tweet out saying like defending the d'amelio sisters and she makes like a thing saying like just responds to it and then james charles like jumps on and says Trish, you are so irrelevant. Like, shut up. Leave these children alone. Yeah. Big time call out. But she also... Trish starts duetting, like, the, um... Like, kind of alt TikTokers. I think he's called... Is it Noah Mills? Um... I don't know him. And... What does he do? <laughs> she calls... She's like, oh, he's being ageist against me. So she tries to paint oh. herself as the victim in every single thing. And... It just it just spirals from there, and she's literally like trying to paint herself, and then she starts defending her blackface by saying it's actually like a Japanese style character where you and she says she was addicted to tanning, and it's it's embarrassing, and it's like everyone has all these receipts from when she was terrible, and the fact that she's sitting there, this is her justification for it, and she's also there was a sound going on where she's saying the n word, and there was like several sounds of those going around, and I was like. She is, she is not gonna hopefully this is the time this is the time this where she will be taken down and we don't have to listen to her anymore because how do you come back from that you you went for children everyone's like literally back away like don't it's none of your business you're just trying to do, jump on a bandwagon because you're seeing that people are talking about it now and it's yeah. nothing to like you have made so many videos where you're a picky eater where you spit things out like with your mukbang exactly You've done so much terrible, this is probably terrible things. Her most stupid mistake. Like this this is so <laughs> stupid to me because she was doing well and people especially on TikTok, because they don't know the history of yeah, everything yeah. she's done, what all the comments she would get would be so, so positive. And like considering the video she did where she was being like blatantly anti Semitic, all the comments like some of them pointed them out, but some of them were just supporting her. And if you went it's to the, shocking, the boys video who she like attacked, all of those comments were basically just telling them how wrong they were for what they'd done. So she was doing well. If she just stayed out of commenting on other people's drama, or like I've seen recently she's commented on drama where it's like men, popular men on YouTube dating underage girls or vice versa and stuff like that. She's done a lot of that, and people aren't going to disagree with you on that, are they? They're just going to no, be like, oh, no. yeah, that is wrong. But just yeah. why? Like, it's so stupid to me that she was doing so well, and she thought, you know what? I'm going to, like, these people that have hundreds of, like, a hundred, nearly 100 million subscribers, yeah. I'm going to attack them. Because even if, like, the D'Amelios lost 10 million from their controversy, they're still going to have, like, 90 million that are mm. willing to defend them. That yeah. are willing to go hate on you, so which is way more than Trisha has on any platform. Yeah, so stupid, so stupid. She's usually smart with her controversies. This was dumb. 
It was just was dumb. It was so stupid, and the fact that like James Charles actually called it out, so he drew attention to it on. So like, I don't get Trish content. I don't get like direct Trish's videos. I get people commenting or duetting Trish's videos. Yeah. Like the algorithm knows. I don't want to see her. I want to know <laughs> like people reacting to her and being like, "Yeah, stop this anti-Semite who's going yeah. out with a with a Jewish guy." Like the the anti-Semitism is like a new thing, really, isn't it? That's her like her brand now that yeah that that's what she does apparently it's bizarre it's what so a brand bizarre. but yeah so that's what um she and she hasn't re- i mean i haven't checked in the day that's happened but the fact that she was trying to defend her black face it was like okay i mean you i would not check to... the victim you're not the victim you've not apologized yeah. for anything also um that the one video i did see was the one where you said she was basically it was like a term in Japanese. Yes, it's like go. It's not gauche, but it's... Go- yeah, something... Um, but apparently that term literally translates into blackface. Yeah. So she was like, I wasn't doing blackface, I was doing this. And then everyone in the comments was like, that translates into blackface. And if she scrolled down after... Because she tried to have like the definition and like the green screen and literally some other guy put it in and he was like, scroll down and one of the third meaning of it was blackface. Like that was the translation of it. So stupid. This is what I mean. This is like her most stupid controversy, and this is why I just don't think she can come back from this one. This one is stupid. Like, grow up. Finally, grow up. (laughs) Because she's not gonna learn. The Demelio sisters are young. They can learn. They. This is a bad thing to happen to them, but they need to be educated a bit. Yeah. Um. And that's not me doing a Shane Dawson and saying like. (laughs) Oh yeah, they need to learn by having those people hate on them. Yeah, but I'm just saying that, like, maybe one or two comments saying like, "Oh, just a bit of constructive criticism." Yeah. Maybe in future, blah blah blah. But uh, they will learn. Like, they still have the potential to learn and change. Trisha Paytas consistently has made mistakes. People have told her she's never changed. So, and she started calling. So with the the Noah Mills guy, and he's just been like roasting her the entire time. Like every racist sound she's made and that you know when she's that awful picture where she's got like i don't even want to call them cornrows because they're it's a oh, dis, it's I know. horrifying and she's the like super ones? white yeah the blonde like the small yeah. blonde ones and um it's just so funny and i think in the video that she originally duetted she was like eight call uh, being ageist is unbecoming <laughs> like Shut what, up. Being racist is unbecoming. Like, I think you've done worse. Absolutely. I don't think, I don't think she can be taking, like, the high horse on ageism. It's like... Also, <laughs> that's not ageism. That's just being, like, you should You're know adult. better. You're a proper Like, adult. that's not... Ageism is, like, if she wasn't allowed to do something because of her age. Yeah. But this is just people saying, you should know better because you adult these children you've been on platform for a while they not maybe teach them no hate that that's all people say trish all people say so that's what has gone down in the past few days with trisha paytas we need to talk about it it needed to be addressed (laughs) um so yeah i'm glad we talked about it i'm glad i know now i one update, so I hope that is updates. Yeah, I um, hope so. And maybe next week we'll have, you know, some wild nutrition <laughs> news for you. Maybe she'll have left the internet. I really doubt please, it, but please. she'll have probably done something equally controversial. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But what else did we have to talk about before we started? We were... Um, oh, Bake Off. 
So, oh, yeah. Basically, shout out to everyone who requested we talk about Bake Off. <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, all our friends said we should talk about Bake All our friends, well, some Two friends. of them. <laughs> two of them. Which two of them? Can we shout them out? Um, I think? Anna and Emily. Anna and Emily. Here you go. This is for you. <laughs> um, basically, uh, Bake Off, it's on. It's the final next week? Yes, in a few days. And how are you feeling about that? How do you feel? Who do you want to win? How do you feel about how it's gone so far? I was outraged, as most of the nation was, I believe, um, at the end of last week's episode. Yeah. Because I have watched Laura cry for three weeks straight now. I don't think she handles that kind of stress very well. And no, it seemed I like feel bad for her. she, yeah, I I liked Laura because she's very funny. She's very good on telly. Yeah, but I would also be her in the tent. Like I would be losing exactly. my crap. I would not be but, handling it well at all. But you don't want to like, see I that in the final. Her, is my but when I'm watching her cry, I'm like, I don't think the show is a good move for her. Like no. I think this is like. <laughs> damaged her yes i think it's it's caused her a lot of pain and she doesn't seem to enjoy yeah. it and i think there's something about because she's very messy as well which she's absolutely me like yeah i i relate every to time her. i watch it i'm like yep that would be me like yeah. just having chocolate everywhere she poured she was pouring <laughs> chocolate over one of her bakes on the last episode and she just poured it all over the table all over the table and all i just look at that and I think me, yeah. that that is what I can relate to. But, like, yeah, I get what you mean. I obviously would have loved to see Hermine in the final. Because I think a legend. Hermine's bakes were... And it, well, they weren't always, like, finesse proper. But when she... To go from, like, the week before when they said she... It could have been in a French patisserie. And he named the patisserie yeah. that it could have been in. To then send her out for one bad bake. And she got second in the technical. Like, she wasn't... She didn't well, have, like, an yeah. overall bad week. She just kind of messed up. But then... It, and it's also the editing. So I think I think the hate yeah. is misdirected. It's not Laura's fault. She didn't have a role in this. No. I think it was the wrong call by the judges and the editing to make it more dramatic focused on how messy Laura was. Because that yeah. that's drama. She's doing something different. And it means very, like, calm and collected a lot of the time. And, you know, you're going to... It's it's the way it's been put together, and I think the hate that Laura's got is really really horrific. Like you shouldn't yeah. be. It was filmed a long time ago. There's nothing you can do about the outcome. It's been. It's past. It's telly. It's like. Yeah, I mean the thing is as well. That's something that she should be very proud of. Yeah. I mean, we don't. The silly thing about Bake Off is that um, they they do just judge it on that week like yes. they don't yeah. take into account any of the stuff that happens the week before yeah. which i've always thought is really silly but that's so. how they judge it yeah. i don't know why but they do it's silly because um say you're really good at making cakes but terrible at bread so you do great in cake week you get to bread week you can't do anything yeah. they never take into account how good you could be at something else anyway it's silly and it's a silly system so silly i whacked my microphone away <laughs> but it's the system, and yes. you can't then go to Laura and be like, well, you're terrible. Bleh. We don't know the situation. We weren't there. The editing was bad. You can disagree with Paul and Prue's choice. Yes. Don't go hating on this normal woman who should be happy about what she achieved. Yeah. I think that's, like, no. Yeah. Don't. Like, I get, you can disagree. You can have your own feelings. I don't think it's a different thing to, as well, 
she's not someone who's in the limelight. She's not no. trained to deal with people hating person. on her. She is a normal person. Please do not hate on this normal woman. Yeah. So I feel really bad for her. I kind of... Dave has kind of been a bit of a bland white man the entire time. Here's the thing. I hated Dave at the beginning. So did that. My mum hates Dave for some like, illogical reason. Well, at reason. this point, it's got to... The point where I just think he's a very strange man. Yeah. I think he's very strange. I don't know if you've watched it ever, but um, they do a like a spin-off. I don't know if that's what you call it, a bake-off, where they do Extra Slice and they Oh, we tried show... to watch it a few years I ago. really like Extra Slice. Oh, do you? Slice. Oh, I don't like the Yeah. Format. You, should... you don't like what? Format. I should just find that kind of like stilted comedy oh Ugh. it's because i love tom allen I think oh tom i love tom i didn't know he was doing yeah. i thought it was he do- yeah he like goes it's the best bit because he goes round people like people in the audience bring in their cakes and tom allen basically goes up to them and just slanders their cakes to their face <laughs> it's the best thing ever but they show clips from like the tv sh- uh the bake-off episode from that week that you haven't seen so behind the scenes mm. bits and dave is just always like telling really weird jokes to no one he's always saying weird things and in the end i just end up feeling bad for him so i no longer hate him because i feel bad yeah i think he's just a weird man who can't socialize properly oh yeah it makes me feel sad (laughs) he's still not my favorite though and i don't want him to win but doesn't stop me feeling bad for the man i think he can't socialize which is not his fault like and maybe I just, I, he's just been kind of like, meh, he's just kind of been there. But he's managed to get to the final, and I think that's, you know. That's weirder to me than Laura, because Laura at least stood out. She's a good baker, Dave has yeah. just been consistently like, I'm here, and no one has noticed me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's weird to me. Like, I, if you asked me to tell you any of his bakes from any of the past week. I couldn't name one. Couldn't, couldn't tell you one. Don't remember them. Don't remember a specifically bad one he's done. Don't remember a specifically good one he's done. Don't remember yeah. one thing Anyone. about that man. No. Whereas so who Peter, do you, who do you want to win then? Well, I don't really want Peter to win. Not because Why? I feel like Peter probably deserves to win, but I don't. I have no connection to him. <laughs> I think he's like. I think he's a nice guy, but I think he like. I don't know. He seems very cocky to me. I feel like he knows he's gonna win. He's always like. It's a competition. He always repeats that it's a competition. He's like, of course I want to win. It's a competition. It's like, okay, make some friends as well, Peter. He's always saying about, like, oh, I make gluten-free stuff. And it's like, yeah, we get it. You've made it gluten-free. That could pacify people. Anyway, that seems like I hate Peter. I do not. I just am not bothered about him winning. He makes me think, like, I think he would be a really good study YouTuber. I think yes. he's the sort of person that he's got like, like intensity and just doesn't let up. He wakes up at five in the morning, he goes on like two hour long bike rides, he then cooks a gluten free breakfast for his brother and his whole family. <laughs> and then he does his uni work. I and like his uni work work he gets first in everything. Yeah. Yeah, I just think he's that sort of person. However, I do think he probably deserves to win. Yeah, I, I hope I he will wins. probably be disappointed if he doesn't win because it seems strange that he wouldn't. Yeah. Um. I think it, I want him to win, and then probably Laura, and then Dave. Not because Dave's done anything wrong. I just, just he's just there. If he won, I, I'd forget about him. Yeah. Honestly, mm. I, he seems like a nice guy. I hope he's happy, but I would not remember him winning. No. 
wouldn't remember it. No. I'm sorry today. That's just personal. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we have one more thing to discuss. Oh, yeah, we do. Me and Holly watched a YouTube video. We did. That's, <laughs> that's going to lead into today's topic. So today we're discussing, um, like, young, the young adult era, I yes. would like to call it. Wacky um, YA, I would say. Wacky YA. The title But in be. around, I don't know if anyone remembers and is like us, but in around 2013-2014, young adult novels were everywhere. They were yeah. everything. They were getting made into movies constantly. There were so many varieties, there were so many copies of ones, there were really popular ones, and then there was just a bunch of really bad ones that you could get for like 1p on Kindle. Um, And we just really wanted to address that. (laughs) But something that kind of links in with it that we watched is um, the sick girl trope. Mm -hmm. I'll just start by saying that this is a video by The Take, I love the take. The take is so good. They do the best video essays. Yeah. I really recommend them. They're all centered around like film and book tropes. I really recommend them. Yeah. I've learned so much from them. They're so fun to watch. Mm. Also, you can watch them on like times two speed and you get through them super fast. <laughs> but so we watched, they had a video that came out the other day called The Sickle Trope and it moves well into what we're talking about because I'm going to talk about John Green mm. and they mention in it. The Vault in Our Stars. So, Holly, what were your thoughts on this video? I uh, enjoyed it, obviously. Yes, same. Obviously, it was the take. The take. Um, Biggest fans. I think I hadn't thought about a lot. I hadn't seen a lot of the films. So the films I was thinking of was more... Fallen Our Stars, obviously. Yeah. Now is Good was another one that they didn't mention. Which had... They didn't. Dakota Fanning or Elle Fanning? Ed Dakota, I think. Dakota, yeah, Dakota. Yeah. Which is the movie that um, basically is like, don't get an abortion because I'm dying of cancer and that (laughs) means that abortions are bad because I deserve to live. So she talks her friend out of getting an abortion and having a child as a teenager because she's dying of cancer. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. Um, I'd yeah, seen Me, Earl and the Dying Girl. I had enjoyed that yes. film. Um, my Sister's Keeper made me and my mum cry a lot. But I didn't know yeah. about the the book ending is different from the film ending. So I just assumed... Sorry, spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, big spoiler alert, this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> this whole episode. Um, the, the sister that's trying to get emancipated, Abigail Breslin's character, fucking dies in the book. And her sister yeah. gets to live because she's got all of her bone marrow from her dead sister. Which, isn't that kind of epic, though? Like, I feel yeah, like I wish I'd seen that in the film. Like, the film was good, but the ending made it just, like, a traditional cancer film. Mm-hmm. But if they changed it for Abigail Breslin dying, I don't want to see her die because the girl is a living legend. The amount of films <laughs> Abigail Breslin has done since a child. Her in The Princess Diaries 2. Incredible. She had such a small role, she just had to cry and be a child, but like, she did it with such finesse. But yeah, I wanted to see her die. I did. And I was disappointed. And I always have been. But yeah, I agree with you. There was a lot of films I hadn't seen. One of the ones I had seen um, is the one with Bella Thorne. What was... I was going to ask you about Midnight, that one. Is it... Is I it Midnight Sun? No. That's... Midnight Sun. It, I swear it's Midnight Sun because it's about a girl who can't... She's like allergic to the sun or something. <laughs> it is the... And I 
I don't want to over exaggerate. I'm sorry to Bella Thorne, um, but maybe she shouldn't have ruined OnlyFans. Um, it is the <laughs> worst film I've ever seen. Um, just so shockingly bad. Um, I think it just ends with her just giving up and being like, "Well, I'm gonna go out in the sun." She just steps out in the sun. Ten minutes later, she's dead. What? And like, <laughs> that yeah. can't be she real. She dies so fast. She go like she's her boyfriend's like, "You wanna go on a boat ride?" I'm remembering some of this wrong, but I feel like her boyfriend's like, "Wanna go on a boat ride?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then she just goes. And then she dies. And her dad is like a single parent. He's traumatized oh my God. by this. Such a ridiculous plot. I don't like I don't know why after like eighteen years of being in this room, she suddenly was like, Hey, I'm gonna give it all up and just go off and die because of a boy. Well that's what they did they do highlight in the um the video, isn't it? Big that time. it's like it's to, like the sick girl is like this manic pixie dream girl that has to convince this man that there's something to live for and he has to live now because she's gonna die. <laughs> well, that was the most interesting bit to me when they compared that to the like sick man trope, mm, yeah. which is like he gets sick to overcome something, to yeah. get better, to change the person. Yes. I thought that was really interesting because if, like, if you ask me to think about it, I can't think of. I couldn't think of one film right now where a man gets cancer and dies and, no. like, a girl... It's well, not a trope. Love with a it's, girl. it's just not no, a trope. It happens so often. Oh, okay, The Fault in Our Stars, I um, guess. But, but still, that's that's got its other... Are we gonna call Gus the Manic Pixie Dream Boy? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the other one I hadn't thought of was Moulin Rouge. That she... Oh my god, this was one of the things I wrote down. I wrote down consumption chic because I'm obsessed with that idea. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I didn't know, but when you got tuberculosis, I guess maybe you saw when you get tuberculosis, yeah, a really thin waist, mm-hmm. like, what, silky hair, pale skin, really veiny, sort of really, like, yeah. really. And I was like, okay, kind of a, kind of a look. And that's what they were saying. They were like, "That's why all these beautiful girls in death." And I was like, "I felt like I don't, I don't, wouldn't want that to be me." But imagine if it was. <laughs> like, what a way to go! I feel like I, I've been born in the wrong time. Like, if I was born in Victorian age, what you because, want consumption? No, I think naturally yeah. I'm very pale. I have like very yeah. veiny red hair. Nicole Kidman esque. Redhead wasn't a result of consumption. <laughs> oh, I know, but it was <laughs> that Victor. It was like consumption. Sheep. All redheads. They've got tuberculosis. Yes, that is our secret. We're just coughing They're blood just into a napkin. They're dying slowly. <laughs> so that's my I take think from it. I think her like, tuberculosis I is... love it. Her tuberculosis is so annoying in Kent Moulin Rouge, though, because it's like, she'll be fine for half an hour, and then suddenly she's like... <coughs> and it's like, okay... <laughs> <laughs> like they I really don't think that's what tuberculosis look like, just occasionally having a bit of cough. Like anytime she went and as well, it's any time she's meant to be on stage, which I think is just her being a drama queen. Because like why couldn't she have done it when she was like just having a chat? Why does she only cough when she's on stage? <laughs> the <It's> drama. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. She's a drama queen. Anyway, I also thought that was interesting because I would have never thought about that. Um no, no Rouge. But then when they but like it, played it does fit into the when they played really the clips well. of it in what they were talking about, it was like, oh yeah, she is all like, you must live because I am dying. <laughs> so. I feel like 
he doesn't learn anything though. Like no. I like the others where it's like really clear they learned something. He's just depressed. Like he doesn't come out of it being like I'm a better person now. He's like I'm really sad and I have a typewriter. The other one that I had never heard of, but really kind of I did not want. I got really like creepy vibes from it. Was the one where the girl's like singing and it's all very Christian. I can't. It looked like a early two thousand. I can't remember what the film was called, but she gets cancer and reforms like the bad boy of school. Oh, I know the one you mean. It's got Mandy Moore in it. Yes, it's not, a yeah. walk to remember. People love that film. I've never Do seen they? it, but like people love it. Yeah. Oh, I just got yeah. like really creepy vibes because they kind of look the same, and like it's that early two thousands, late nineties glow like, of the film. I don't like the look of Mandy Moore in it, but like I guess maybe they make like I don't know. This is really mean because maybe she's made to look like this because she's dying. I really don't like her fringe on it. It looks very sweaty. <laughs> and Mandy, Mandy Moore is a very beautiful woman. Yes. But she has such a sweaty fringe in that film. And I assume they did it because they wanted her to look like she was dying. But if they didn't, that was just poor, poor work on Mandy <laughs> They Moore's did a dirty with a sweaty fringe. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I actually wrote down this quote and this will link me on to starting talking about the topic we're going to talk about. Um... <laughs> When it said, this is solely in the movie, because I don't know the book really does this, but it says, Hazel was living with cancer, but you'd hardly know it by looking at her. I just thought that was incredible, the fact that <laughs> I never thought about that at the time, but you've got, like, beautiful Shailene Woodley just there yeah. with her little pixie cut. Like, looks completely healthy. Looks healthier than me on, like, my best day. Her skin's glowing. She looks incredible. And I was meant to believe this is a girl that's got, like, <laughs> Lung cancer? No way. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna get on with this now. Um, I'm gonna talk about John Green and his Woo. YA fiction. So we're gonna start with my feelings on John Green novels. <laughs> so I have read, and bear in mind this was probably like what seven years ago, a while ago. I read The Fault in Our Stars, Paper Town, An Abundance of Catherines, and Looking for Alaska. I've read so all four. of them, except for Abundance of Catherines. Right, well, you didn't miss out. Um, <laughs> I'm going to judge those novels. I've heard that his newer novels and the ones I haven't read are actually really good. He's still writing? I've not read them. He's still, yeah, he still writing. after this? He, he had a book that I feel came out a year ago, and I've heard really good things about it. I don't know what it's about, but I've heard a lot of people recommend it. Um, so, I, I yeah, Go but I haven't read them, so I'm not going to judge them, am I? Yeah. And I didn't think there was any point me being like, I'm going to talk about books I haven't read. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> even though I barely remember half the plots of these. Um, so, I feel like it was 2013, roughly, the year. And everyone was saying to me, like, oh, you need to read The Fault in Our Stars. I was on Tumblr. Everyone was like, oh, read The Fault in Our Stars. It's incredible. It was everywhere. And I just don't really like when people recommend stuff to me. (laughs) I think I've changed now, but, like, I feel like back then I was like, I don't know. You know when something would be really popular and people would recommend it to you? And I was like, I don't... There was just something that would be an aversion there. (laughs) So, but everyone was recommending him. And I read a lot, so I was like, okay... I'm going to read John Green, but purposely not read the book that everyone's recommended to me. <laughs> which was a mistake. She's quirky. Also, <laughs> write me into your books, John Green. I'm quirky. <laughs> um, 
also I was put off from the fact that it was a cancer story. I've never really liked um teenage cancer love stories. I think they're just so like predictable, yeah. tacky. I don't think they do anything for like the cancer community. They're, no. They're never written by someone who's had cancer. No, they're not. And like it's not an authentic experience. It's about falling in love. And like I really don't think that that's helpful what you're worried about when you have cancer and (laughs) i like the idea of showing people who are living with cancer having a normal life yeah but i don't like the idea of being like we're dying so we're so gonna focus on love and not the fact that like our family who have lived with us for our whole life are gonna really miss their child yeah just gonna focus on the love story yeah so i just don't love that i was so i don't want to read it um so i started with an abundance of catherine's and this really led to me just not really liking John Green's books. I think it, it would have been different if I started with The Fault in Our Stars. I've got to say, in Abundance of Catherine's, I just find so boring. Yeah, what is I, it even... What's the plot? Uh, well, I'll get into that, because it basically has the same plot as all the other ones. Um, <laughs> Surprise! So, as you may know, I don't love John's books, as I've just stated. Um... <laughs> But I'm going to explain my reasoning for that. I'm going to kind of compare why I didn't like them when I was like 13, 14, and why I don't like them now. Um, but also, just a disclaimer, I'm not hating on John Green. I'm not saying his books are bad categorically. I'm just saying I don't understand why they were successful, um, yeah. which is different. So I'll start off with The Fallen Stars because it's an easy way to ease us in, and we have talked about it a lot. Um, and I'm just going to judge it on its own compared to the other ones because it's different from what I have labelled the whiny teenage boy narratives, which are all his other books. <laughs> um, so I actually don't mind this book. I don't mind The Fault in Our Stars. When I actually read it, I was surprised that it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Mm-hmm. It was narrated by a girl, which was kind of odd for John Green because, as I've said, all the others are whiny teenage boys. Um, it was a quick read. The others are so slow. Mm. They're so slow and hard to get through. This, like, I think I read it in, like, one or two days. I remember just flying through it, not really, just whipping through it. But the others were just, oh, so hard. Um, yeah, so this is just personal. I just think I prefer, with when I read young adult novels, they're all kind of written in first person, which I don't love anymore, but then it's easy to read. But I don't really love reading, like, male for first person. I just, just, just don't really care. Yeah. Especially when you're a teenage girl, you don't really care. Like, I don't know, you can't... I think it's hard to relate to. Yeah. Like, especially... Because I mean this mainly in terms of, like, John Green's male narratives. It just seems so annoying and so, <laughs> so unrealistic. Like, yeah. I was reading these narratives from the male point of view, and it was, like, no teenage boy that I ever knew i've never Mm. known a teenage boy like the ones he writes about um and so it just seemed so unrealistic and they were annoying whereas hazel in the fault in our stars like she is intelligent she is slightly pretentious but not to the extent that these boys are like these guys whole personality is the fact that they're pretentious smart people hazel's is that she's smart she, and she has cancer, so... <laughs> she's, she's she's got another dimension to her than just... She's quirky. She's different. <laughs> um, also, I, I think I've told you about this before, that like, I 
I have like a semi conspiracy theory that I just don't think John Green wrote The Fault in Our Stars. It doesn't feel like it was written by him. It's not like any of the books he's written. I just can't believe that this man went from writing like really slow, whiny boy narratives to something that I think read completely different. Wow. I, think I, mean, I haven't heard you yeah, say that, actually. Well, I'm intrigued. Well, I don't fully mean it because, of course, he did read it. But that's how, like, that's how different I find them. Like, they don't feel like they're written by the same person. I think if you took the covers off and the name off the books and you just gave them to people, they think that three of them were by the same person and they think The Fault in the Stars was by someone completely different. Mm. But yeah, I just don't love it because uh, The Fault in the Stars I don't love because it does seem to me like it was just sad for the sake of being sad. Mm. It, it, like It's like, oh, here's another dose of sadness for you. Oh, you were already sad that this girl had cancer? Well, the love interest also has cancer now. Like, okay, how it's just taken cancer love teenage story one step further mm-hmm. than like Giving them both. Not it. Just have, we don't just have the sick <laughs> teenage girl. We now have six teenage boy who's exactly the same as her. Um, so that I just didn't love. And like I said before, I would have kind of liked to have seen like Hazel's relationship with her family take more prominence mm. and like being like, I mean, she's she doesn't know her prognosis really, but she spends all her time with Gus and yeah. no time with her family. And I just think if I was her family, it'd be like. I kind of want to spend more time with you because yes, I you know we you don't are know how much child. time we've got. Yeah, and so that was maybe she wouldn't have if she spent more time with family. Maybe she wouldn't have ended up having her first kiss in the Anne Frank house. <laughs> how do, I haven't even written notes on that. I don't. I think I'd just block that out. Okay, another reason I don't like uh, Fault in Our Stars is because of that. <laughs> uh, here's a message: if you go to the Anne Frank house. Please don't, don't do, do it. that. Mm. Please just be respectful. Yep. If there's like a ranking of people who've been most insensitive in the Anne Frank house, it's like number three is people who take way too many selfies. Number two is Justin Bieber. Yep. And number one is Hazel and Gus. They just were <laughs> way too insensitive in that house. Um, how old are they in um, Fault in Our Stars? Like 18? I feel like she might be six, 16, 17. I don't think okay. they're... They just like went to Amsterdam, like a massive drug place, and they, <laughs> not one of them was like, should we get some edibles? I'm not saying they should have because they both had cancer, but I just feel like in a realistic novel yeah, about teenagers, the teenagers in Amsterdam, that would have been something that was discussed. <laughs> I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying I feel like it would have been discussed. Like they would have been like, oh, we can easily get drugs. So like, should we? You want to try? I just think that would have been discussed. Anyway, moving on from what is a perfectly reasonable novel with some weird bits to the whiny boy narratives. Um, <laughs> so this is probably the main reason I didn't like his books. I oh, They were so predictable. Hmm. This is mainly talking about An Abundance of Catherine's, Paper Towns, and uh, Looking, Looking for, for Alaska. Alaska, which was another one that people recommended to me so much. Yeah, everyone loved it. I think the last it. one I read... Yeah, they did, didn't they? It was the last one I think I read of his. And I really don't like that book. I remember really not enjoying it. But it wasn't boring. I just remember I didn't enjoy that one. It was um, long again. I see. I know what you... Like, looking back, I know what you so, mean where they were long. Like, you, there wasn't really a point. And I know... And no. I mean, looking for Alaska she dies but like yeah it takes a long time to get to that point which sounds really yeah, bad I but like, like half like half the book i was just because i knew she was gonna die I, or you know something bad's gonna happen to her 
Yeah. And the whole time I was like, okay, when is this happening? This is so boring. Also, I never, I'm never really sure who his intended audience is because mm. they're written for young adults, but this book like contains some like sexual scenes. Um, <laughs> that like so I didn't know. I was reading them at thirteen, fourteen, which is the age I think they're intended for, but. Then they had some content. adult themes, and I know that now some people are studying the book in school. Oh, um, and some schools have made big complaints about it because they <laughs> like don't. I'm gonna say it was schools in America because I don't know that I, I don't know that schools would be on the curriculum the same here. complaints. <laughs> they do do. They wouldn't be on the curriculum for one, but also I feel like you do have some wild, wildly inappropriate books on the curriculum in England sometimes. Like, mm. anyway, so. I'm going to say, the reason I didn't like this is those three books seem exactly the same to me. When I was thinking about them, I was like, oh, I'm really struggling to differentiate what happened in each book, which character's which, and stuff like that. And it's because the books just are the same, basically. They follow the same structure each time. Uh, And they don't read like normal teenagers. It's like these weird hybrid teenage boys that are just the same teenage boy in each three books. Mm. So they all the characters in the formula are all the same. So all I can really remember because of this is the basic plot of each one. So I remember an abundance of Catherine's is about a whiny boy dating girls called Catherine and that's it. Paper Towns is about a whiny boy chasing after a quirky girl and uh <laughs> Looking for Alaska is about a whiny boy obsessing over a quirky girl. So they're all the same. <laughs> and then I remember the quirks that each boy had, but again, they sort of blur into one, and mm. I really struggled to figure out which quirk belonged to which boy. So what I, what I've realised, this is what, I, what quirk belonged to each boy, I think. And they're interchangeable, remember. <laughs> so in Abundance of Catherine's, his quirk is that... Also, I'm not giving them names, because, again, they're all they the don't, same Yeah, boy. they don't need individual they names, because they don't have individual cast they characteristics. They could be the same boy. <laughs> yeah. So in abundance of Catherine's, his quirk is that he's only dating girls named Catherine, and also he loves anagrams, which is super annoying in the book. He oh. just does anagrams all the time, and <laughs> half of the anagrams are only anagrams because the original word is spelled um wrong. So when John Green was writing it, he clearly like had thought of the word he wanted to get from the anagram, and then just spelled a bunch of words wrong together. Um, so that's annoying. Gets tiring after about ten pages. In Paper Towns, I actually can't remember a quirk that ha- that this boy has, other than he like really loves rules. So it might just be that he loves rules. But again, he could have one of the other boys' quirks. I honestly don't remember. They all um they all merge for me. But Paper Towns, I just think is really boring. It's so really never boring. Mind. But they made it into so a film, boring. which is nuts. I watched that film as well, and it was still boring. So bad. I remember um, watching it when we were like I don't know fifteen. And we were literally there, like, oh, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> My brother asked to watch it, and I was like, oh, God, get strap yourself in for the most boring ride of your life. <laughs> um, so then, in Looking for Alaska, the whiny teenage boy is obsessed with people's last words, which again oh, gets yeah. super tired. Yeah, it just gets tiring. Like doing it a couple times, fine, but I feel like every other page he was like, and this person said on their deathbed, and it's like. <sighs> Okay, we get it, you're quirky, you're different. But my point is, as you can see there, all these books are out, whiny teenage boys obsessed with girls, which 
don't really care to read about as a teenager, just me personally. <laughs> and also boys that have weird quirks that just are really unrealistic and tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my final complaint, which comes on from that, which I strongly felt as a teen and I strongly feel now, is um, against John Green's female love interest in the book. Um, they're so two ni- two dimensional yep. and purely written as she's different. She's not like other girls, and that seems so like so yeah yeah and i think that was a problem in all young adult literature i feel like i've read that a lot i read so many young adult books that were about girls and they're like they were described as like oh yeah i never really had any girlfriends like i'm not like other girls yeah. like my brother taught me how to fight like i have loads of brothers so i know how to hit people and i just never enjoyed reading it's just misogynistic it, isn't it like... i did i guess like at the time i didn't know t- i didn't like no to label as misogynistic. No, I didn't I either. Felt, I think I was just reading it and I was like, but I'm like other girls. Like yeah. I like dressing up and makeup and <laughs> meh. But I also like the things she's talking about. Yeah. I don't it never sat right with me. I was just like, this feels wrong. And then when I was older I learned that it was misogyny. So <laughs> It was misogyny all along. <laughs> I f- I just feel like oh, I feel like it happened a lot. Anyway, that's not my point. So I didn't enjoy reading his books because it was like I I especially didn't like reading about those girls from the like a man's perspective. Yeah. Um. And this mainly happens in Paper Towns and Looking for Alaska. I don't know if it happens in Abundance of Catherine's because the book was so boring, <laughs> and all I can remember is that he was obsessed with dating Catherine, but he doesn't end up with Catherine. That's it. So I'm not going to really address that from now on. Um. So supposedly. This, like, the way John Green writes these teenage girls is to dismantle the trope of the Manic Pixie dream girl. Okay, um, no. No, no, no. Well, no. we'll get into that, but what we're going to do first is we're just going to give a brief, quick explanation of what the Manic, Manic Pixie dream girl is. So, essentially, it's just a really two-dimensional uh, presentation of a woman. Um, they don't really have a personality. They're just quirky. They're there to, like, help men grow. They, they have nothing of their own. Yep. But what I discovered is that basically there is a really basic way to create a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And it is by picking a traditionally bad trait that a person could have, mm-hmm. then a good trait that a person could have, and then that equals a quirky girl. So I thought we could come <laughs> up with some ourselves. So I, like, for example, you could have, like, like she, like she would never brush her hair, but she was obsessed with Virginia Woolf. Like really, like one of them's just kind of like if you actually met this person, they'd be terrible, and then one's like, oh well, that's actually a good quality. So like she never showered, but she danced in the rain, like that sort of thing. Yeah, that's like so... you, she collects all the same plants that a famous composer did. Yeah, and recreating a room in the house that was like. Yeah, exactly like that. There, that's the way to do it. You have to kind of pick habits that are so close to being on the verge of just terrible things to do. <laughs> and that's the trick to having a Mount Pixie Dream Girl. They have to be like semi-terrible. But the way that they're talked about is like, oh, that's different. She's cool. Anyway, so... I obviously didn't know this term when I was a teenager, so I had no way of defining these girls as Manic Pixie Dream Girls. I just thought they were quirky for quirky's sake. It was weird. Um, And when I was researching this, my first thought was Manic Pixie Dream Girls, because 
I'm an adult now, I know the term, and <laughs> they pop into my head all the time when I think about that term. He writes, basically, all his female characters are just kind of these dream girls. Mm-hmm. So I looked it up. Basically, everything I could find was people saying, he's just dismantling the trope. <sighs> yeah. Because he's said this a lot, basically. Um, but um, I think that if he is doing this, it's not done very well for mm-hmm. two reasons. One, if there is a book that's going to dismantle this trope, I don't really think that it should be written by a man who, throughout the book, utilises the trope and only dismantles it at the very end. Yeah. Like, the whole way through the book, you're being like, ah, Manic PC Dream Girl. Quirky Girl, quirky Girl, quirky Girl. And then there's no part of it that, there's no overt dismantling. It's not like, you know, in, um, what is it, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind? Like, it's, she doesn't live up to his fantasy. She, like, fights against it throughout the whole film. And she says explicitly, like, people just keep putting this ideal onto me. That's yeah. dismantling it. Having, exactly. and it might, do you think it's like, do people compare it to 500 Days of Summer where people, where that was supposed to be a dismantling of the trope as well, but people kind just of. hated against her because. Exactly. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Like, you don't, I don't think you realise it's a dismantling if someone is utilising it so much. Mm. Like, he isn't showing how terrible it is. And like you say, a good example of that is Eternal Sunshine. And Ruby Sparks, I don't know if you've yes, seen that. but I that's, really enjoyed Yeah, Ruby Sparks. Sparks. It's just about, like, this man who writes a woman into existence. And like the, and also, it's written by a woman. The movie's mm-hmm. written by Zoe Kazan. So it's from kind of her perspective, I guess. And he writes this woman, and she's never what he wants her to be. Even because, when he can write everything he wants. Yeah. yeah. And that's a dismantling. That's a good dismantling. Yes. They don't utilise the trope throughout. Like They're not being like, how wonderful is this girl because she's different. Throughout, they're being like, this is actually terrible. Yeah. That's how to dismantle it. So that's number one. Number two, the second reason I don't think he does this, is an article that's on Medium, and it was written by Vin McCarthy, and it's called Why Are Manic Pixie Dream Girls Still a Thing? Um, <laughs> this is the most incredible article. You all need to go read it if you can. Uh, I'll link it below. But it basically just ripped apart the idea that John Green was dismantling anything. Yay. So it starts... It addresses this essay that John Green wrote that's called The Destruction of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Um, and in this essay, I guess because he wasn't clear enough showing it in his books, <laughs> he basically explains how his books deconstruct the trope, specifically Paper Towns. Um, and the article truly becomes iconic when it states... Truly, it's a monument to his talent that he was able to write the article with no hands, being as he was simultaneously patting himself on the back and jerking off to one of his own signed headshots. Which is just just incredible. Um, So basically, John Green in the article is just arguing that Margot from Paper Towns isn't a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, and it's only the whiny teenage boy who thinks she is one. So, um... Basically, he's saying that it's only the boy that sees her as that. The book doesn't. The book follows the boy's narrative, so you're just following like this unreliable narration that is saying, like, oh, she's a manic, a manic pixie dream girl, but you're not meant to believe that, even though that's what the narrator is saying. Which, obviously, is going to be difficult, but the article rebukes that point and says that it absolutely does show that the trope exists in it, and he, like, John Green perpetuates the trope throughout and never holds himself accountable for using it, so... <laughs> go read that article it's a much better way of explaining why these books weren't great to read than I will ever do I really recommend it 
So that's kind of why I didn't love his books um, as a child. But I will say, just in a quick final point, a quick defense of John. Um, I don't love the books. That doesn't mean they're bad books. It just means I personally didn't love those yeah. tropes. And also, all the books I talked about that I didn't like were written in, like, they're pretty old now. Yeah. So Looking for Alaska was written in 2005. Oh, my God. Uh, and Abundance Catherine was 2006. And then... Paper Towns was 2008. So that that old. They so are. his like presentations aren't going to be the most up to date. Yeah. But I do genuinely think he was probably trying to do something woke. I think he was probably trying to show the Manic Pixie Dream Girl as bad. But I just don't know that it was done very well. But no. I do think there was an attempt. And so I don't think that makes him a bad person at all. Also, The Vault in Our Stars, the one book that I actually didn't mind, was written more the most recently in 2012 and then his more recent books are the ones i've heard really good things about mm. so maybe he has progressed now and his books aren't as boring <laughs> and i would maybe actually enjoy enjoy them so i don't i think people maybe like to hate on him because he is very well known his name is very out there like yeah. he's very famous but there's a lot of young adult books that are terrible and have terrible messages and we don't hate on the people who wrote them as much yeah. and he gets a lot of hate so much so that recently i saw on hank green's tiktok who's john green's brother if you don't know um he had to put a message out saying please stop telling me how much you hate my brother and how much better i am than him oh my god because obviously i don't want to hear that it doesn't make me feel good That's it so makes me feel sad yeah and people were thinking like i think people commenting about a, a lot like you're so much better than john john's so terrible which isn't nice like He's not, I don't think he's a bad person. I think maybe he's just not written the best things. So, like, I think. Like, 20, like 15 I think years ago. they're good, ago. but like, yeah. some people really enjoy them. I don't think that's a reason to hate on someone. Also, quickly, Crash Course, which, no, just Crash Course in general, which is him and Hank's YouTube channel, is so incredible. It's so, amazing, I do yeah. think he's a good person. The fact they came up with that, which, if you don't know, teaches like lots of little lessons really fast. I, at A level, there was some things that I could only learn through watching crash, mm. crash Course videos. Like, I could not learn them without that. So I do think that he's a good person. I think he's trying his best. Yeah. don't think he did a great job sometimes, and I don't like his books, but that's personal. Please do not hate on this man. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> and I think he, you know, I think he's a really intellectual person, and... He's got Definitely. a lot of people reading, you know, part of that kind of... And he, I yeah. think crash, the Crash Course was, you know, they were really helpful, especially. And hopefully they still are. Um, I still watch them sometimes. I watched them recently on um, Palestine. Oh, there you go. Explain I things. was trying to explain Palestine to my brother and we both watched a video on it together. And he found it very informative and very nice. So... There you go. They're still good. I, I Shaping think, lives. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of respect for the man. I think he maybe made a mistake by like being on Tumblr so much in like 2014. Yeah. And that's what led to a lot of the hate. Yes. Um, because people would like write hateful posts about him on there and he would respond. Yeah. And I don't think that ended up going well. But at, at his core, I don't think he's a bad person. And I don't think we should lend him hate. I think he no. really was trying. So anyway, Holly, <laughs> tell me about what you want to talk about. Well, if, and I'm going to sip on some water. <laughs> it has. It's just occurred to me as we were talking that everything that links um, this podcast together is Shailene Woodley. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but do you know 
era- she was like ruling the young adult game in about 2013 or 14. She was yeah. in every film. Every she film. did everything. She was ever- she, and, oh. um, Ansel Englor as well. So <laughs> yikes. He's not he's not um really doing too well right now, is it? Oh no. <laughs> well, he's meant to be in well, he is in the new adaptation of um Oh my gosh, what's the film called where the one, the musical that's based off Romeo and Juliet. Oh, West Side Story. Yeah, so he's in the new adaptation of that. The the main man? The main man. (laughs) I didn't really know West Side Story very Um, well, but I know that he's... Maria! Yeah, him. It's him, um, which I think maybe a lot will end up not doing too well, because I think a few people maybe boycott it. Yeah. But... Oh, I don't know. It's difficult. So anyway, anyway so I am going to talk about the the fall of Divergent. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I think it's really an interesting thing to see because it kind of was the end of the YA film boom. It absolutely was. And may I just say, to begin with, I loved the books of Divergent. Yes, I really Because it was one of the... I felt like a lot of young adult books at that time were like centered around this girl who was like, I'm not very pretty. And then everyone was like, you're so pretty. Whereas uh, I didn't think Divergent did that at all. And they purposely, like a lot of the time in the novel, point out like the fact that Tris isn't pretty. She's just this normal girl. And she's really strong. Like people insult the way she looks a lot. Like I thought the book was really good at times. Um, A lot of people say it's derivative of Hunger Games, but I don't know. It's kind of original. She made a lot of money from it, so I think... Yeah. Even... I still like the books. I'd probably read them now and kind of enjoy them. Not the last one, though. No, and I, we will get on to that, but um, I think it was the downfall. But did you know that Veronica Roth was sold the first Divergent book when she was 21? Yeah, I, well, actually, I thought she was 24, so um, that's come as a shock to me, because I was going to say, 24?! <laughs> That's old. Like, I've got two years before that. But no, I didn't know he was 21. 21. Um, so I can kind of her. get it that she was watching and reading, probably reading, like, a lot of the YA stuff, a lot of the Harry Potter stuff. And this just millennial was like, I'm going to write it stuff as well. Yeah. Got an idea. Um, and I thought it was good. Like, it doesn't feel like it's written by a 21-year-old. It really doesn't. I feel like it reads very maturely. Yes. For a YA novel. Yeah. Gotta say it for Veronica. And I really Ronnie. I really did enjoy the first two, I think, and I was intrigued. Yeah, by the first it. two, iconic. Um yeah. but then I think I read one of her dedications was to God and I was really like, that's a bit weird. God, that, that rings a bell actually. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, but Did God help you write this book? I don't think he did. But anyway, that's maybe me being cynical. Cynical. Yeah, come on, Holly. Maybe God helped. Um, maybe one day God'll help you write and then you'll feel terrible about ever doubting <laughs> Ronnie. Our young Ronnie. Our young Ronnie. So in 2018, BuzzFeed did a speculatory article on why it collapsed the way it did. And one of the reasons yeah. was that they said it just had such weak source material because the structure of Divergent's fictional world was hard to understand, the plots were hard to follow, and the stakes were unclear. The novels are confusing, humorless, and derivative. And by the third novel, they suggest that she had no real vision to conclude the story and just kind of kills oh. off Triss for no real reason. <laughs> I can't 
like, I think that's cruel for the first two books, because I don't think that's true for them. But no. the last one absolutely is true. Yes. I think that book is... It's almost impenetrable. It's way too confusing. Really long. And don't get me wrong. I actually really like the idea of killing off, like, your narrator. Yeah, like, I think that's a huge leap. Two of the books. Yeah. I think that's really cool. But they, she did it in a terrible way. Yeah. Like... So, no, I think that's unfair in the first two books, but the last two absolutely is fair. There was yep. no material there to <laughs> be followed. But, I mean, hot take, I actually kind of feel the same about the last Hunger Games book. The, mm. um, what's it called? See, I, it's so weak in my mind, I can't even remember Mockingjay. the name of it. Is it? Yeah, Mockingjay. I just I find that book really hard to read. I don't think it's as good as the others, mm. but that's my hot take of the day. My hot takes about Hunger Games was that I used to skip the after the first book and the first arena in the second arena i didn't read the arena yeah. because i was so bored i just skipped i kind of get that <laughs> i only really read the you know what i feel like i mainly read the books with finnick and then i, yes. I didn't tell you i and then when she killed I know, him right? i was like oh see that's a like he shouldn't have died because he went through way too much yes. but that's that's just my opinion on that but um uh, mocking jay um I skipped so much of that book that I didn't actually realise that, um, God, what's her, Prim, I didn't realise Prim had died. <laughs> I had to read it again, because someone was like, yeah, Prim dies, and I was like, mm, <laughs> I didn't that. see it. <laughs> it didn't happen in my book, and then I went back and I was like, she dies, like, in a sentence. Yeah, so, it's really well, short, isn't it? Yeah. I skipped most of this book, so there was no way I would have realised she was dead. I was just I realised Finnick was dead, though. I think I was bored of just them wandering about a city, and I was like, I don't care what it's so weird, like, where, I didn't know where, I couldn't picture where they were half the time. Yeah. It was very weird. And I was like, oh. And then they went, made the world into an arena, and I was like... Really? This Suzanne, is what she knows. This, is, this <laughs> has gone weird. This has gone weird. So, yeah. So, and also I think by, like, 2017, people had given up after the franchise and the final book, because they were disappointed with the ending, so it was like, why would we watch the final film? Yes. And if like the movies came out like kind of late, so if you yeah. think like we'd all read them, like when we all read the Hunger Games, we were pretty young, and then the yes. movies came out, and we were still young throughout all the movies. By the time the Divergent films were coming out, we kind of gotten older. So then, by it. the time the last one would have come out, we wouldn't have really been that interested in seeing it. No, so it lost its audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I read this other article that was suggesting that um, like Triss's death. Was she mm. sacrificed herself in a Christ-like fashion to save the world? I'd like to tell you that I think this was a massive stroke of brave originality from Roth, um, who drew a lot of her stuff from the Hunger Games. But in truth, I think the source of choice is pretty clear. As it turns out, Roth's a Christian convert and a Harry Potter fan, and in both these cases, there is a climactic moment in a similar decision to die for everyone's sins. There's a reason the story is archetypal, and also a reason Roth was therefore not wrong to reach for it, even if it wasn't original in strict sense. And so oh. they're basically just saying she is taking it from um, the Bible and um, Ro- uh, J.K. Rowling, because in both those, it's like the character, the main character died, the main character Jesus, they died, but then they get to come back. So like their sacrifice yeah. was was for something. So ju- it was just interesting to see what kind of criticism people had about the books, because I've, you know, when you're enjoying something and you're kind of in the middle of it and you just... You don't know. Yeah. It's interesting to see. I know what you mean. Um, Vox was more scathing about Divergent. They thought it failed from the beginning because um, they called it an anemic excuse for pop culture. It borrows from the popular tropes of other YA franchises without understanding what makes them compelling. 
Oh. <laughs> and they just... They don't know. Like, I don't want to disagree with everything. This sounds like it's really one-sided. But if you take it from my brother, who is completely, like, does not read anything, knew nothing of YA, mm. when he watched the first Hunger Games film, he thought it was super boring. Really? really struggled to get through the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I also have issues with the first Hunger Games film because they film so much on shaky cam. I really don't like it. Mm. Anyway, but I do like bits of that film. However, I understand why people might not like yeah. it if you didn't know the books, didn't know a lot of the context. But when, when we watched Divergent a few times, and <laughs> I think he like quite liked it as a film. Like he thought it was pretty good. So pop culture wise, if you're going into it knowing nothing, I reckon Divergent would be like it's more enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, we're very much a generation of people who like like think about how many marvel films oh there are. yeah there's so many and like some of them are just bad mm-hmm. but people like them because it's like you they can just wash over you and you don't really yeah that you don't have to yeah the hunger games the first movie is quite artistically done and you have to kind of think about mm-hmm. it and be engaged in it even watch the first divergent film and be like right fair enough mm. which okay isn't necessarily positive however doesn't mean it's bad. And I think, it's not... yeah, I think it's the the problems are that she probably had this really good idea, but then actually, because it, all the things were franchised and everything had to have like yeah. more and more books, more and more films, then it just fell apart because she didn't have the world building. She had a really strong first idea that kind of yeah. drew from, you know, the sorting hat stuff, so everyone was in a faction. And then also, yeah. like, it was just dystopian, like Hunger Games. And everyone was just expecting it to be a new Hunger Games. It just wasn't. But the the way the YA was built up is you had to have sequels and sequels and sequels and it just, I think that ruins a lot of things because you can't, if it, the idea should just be allowed to be itself in one thing, it doesn't have to like be explained or go further than what it did. I mean, in a way, I do feel like the book had its limits because I was just thinking mm. about it then and I was thinking like, what possible way could they have ended those books and I can't I don't think, think they of like yeah. a way out of it. Yeah. I, I mean, in a bleak way, she could have had it, had it where like, if you want to have Triss die, mm-hmm. you could have Triss finding out about the factions being divergent and then her like attempting a rebellion mm-hmm. and it not working and her dying for that and then everything just staying the way it was. I feel like that would be a bleak, cool way to do yeah. it. But I don't know any way she could have ended it in the way she wanted to where it had a happy ending because... I don't know. Like you, whoever said that the stakes weren't high enough, I kind of get that. Mm. I don't. There are definitely limits to the plot because it's all about. And I think the the other um thing that I was seeing against it was it was all about character investment and not actually about like structural issues. Oh, so does that does that mean that like the characters are better than the actual plot? Yeah. So it was all like self sacrificing and all. It's not really about taking down the system of the structure because actually when it was revealed that mm. it was all about they'd been genetically changed and then fenced off in Chicago and just kind of left by the rest of the world and the divergent and like the normal people that they're trying to breed out and it's like an experiment and you just think that's so weak that's so like yeah, a weak reason behind everything but as it was well, that's, yeah that's probably why none of us liked the last book because yeah. the characters were so good like I love the characters and I think Triss is a really good complex character for Tobias. I think he's a really good love interest that's yes. still complex. Her Trissa's brother, the most annoying person mm-hmm. ever, but pretty good as a character. They're like her best friend. Can't remember her name, but her be- like best friend. There was a lot of complex characters in that book. Mm-hmm. And um but the plot, yeah, I fully agree. I don't think the plot was as good as the characters. Yeah. So it's, it's a kind of a silly, like 
idea, isn't it? Like casting people into different sections. It's never going to work out because like being human isn't being one thing. So yeah, I kind of, I'm seeing these points a bit more now. (laughs) But then we're also coming at it as adults and she must have made so much money from the books as like this 20 year old. And she had three, well, they tried to split the last film into two, didn't they? So yes. they did the like a part one, part two, which again was that really Hunger Games, Harry Potter, trying to make as much money as possible. And it always ends with one being so boring, yes, though. Because they have to drag it out into two feature films. Tell you this, though. Do you know one film that did it well? What film? Breaking Dawn. Because I, think I know so. you'll probably disagree, but neither of them was boring. No, I agree. I was never bored. I agree with that. Whereas the Harry Potter ones and the Hunger Games ones, the first part of each one of them, I was so bored yeah. in them. You wouldn't invest. Twilight, the first bit, she's having a weird demonic baby. <laughs> Second bit, baby's growing up super fast and she's like, they're meeting all these other vampires. They did that How well. That? No, to be fair, even though yeah. it like, it, again, nothing really happened. It was like they were gearing up for the big conflict that just kind of flopped. I agree. I think they the way they did it was much better than, but that's why they think Absolutely. like, she must, I'm, I'm glad she made as much money as she did, even though it flopped <laughs> in the end. I'm like to this day. I'd rather read. I, I actually, this is making me want to read Divergent again. I'd rather read that than go near a John Green book. <laughs> sorry, but it's true. I would. It might not be as good, but I just think it entertains me. Yeah. yeah. I still have like little pieces of paper. This is really sad. Um, that I stuck in for like every like Triss and Forbert because I thought they were just so romantic. <laughs> So uh, maybe I'll just revisit that, <laughs> flick through to like each bit. It's like here's the thing: I didn't really. I guess this kind of proves that the plot's not that good. I wasn't really that bothered about reading half of the plot, but oh, I was there for the. Boy, was I invested in that romance. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I hundred percent agree. And then some weird things about the film that I just found, like apparently yeah. Miles Teller didn't want to sign for the movie, and his persuasion. <laughs> was from Shailene Woodley saying that he would be able to punch her in the face on screen and that's what like sealed the deal. I mean it sounds like it's come from like a gossip. Oh because they were in another YA film together. Yes they were. They were in one they were in one that I cannot remember the name of it. I can see it it, but I can't tell you. It had big John Green vibes and it was boring. Yes. Spectacular now. Yes, I think yes, that's yeah, the name of it. A lot of it. I read the book of it. Just equally boring. I think I just don't like books where nothing happens. I think I'm like quite plot driven. No, maybe I'm character driven. I don't know. Mm. I, I don't like big descriptions and big like existential crises. You know. Yeah. I just kind of want to like big plot, big characters. Boom. Get into it. Get it over a- with. As little description as possible for me. <laughs> But yeah, so apparently that was the thing that clinched the deal for him. Um, also, I haven't. Bit weird. I didn't watch the first part of Allegiant, but um, <laughs> the CGI is horrifying. Like, what did they CGI? They CGI everything from the first film. They just like spent must have spent all their money on the CGI because it's it's terrifying. Like, they have um, at one point she's in this like goo she has to get decontaminated or something and it's just shady woody like screaming into this with like covered in orange goo that's not real Ew. and then it all gets washed off it's i don't know it's really 
<laughs> it's really weird. I don't like that. No, it was awful. And the acting was just, like, bad. And it just, oh, it just did not work. And then a lot of, like, I feel quite bad for Shailene Woodley because people were just like, she's not Jennifer Lawrence. She's not Jennifer Lawrence. It's like, obviously I'm, not. Another another hot take. Um, I think Shailene Woodley's a better actress than Jennifer Lawrence. I think she has more like, brain. Yeah, I don't think it shows in like all the YA stuff she did, but like I don't know if anyone's seen um, Big Little Lies. I think she's really good in Big Little Lies. I actually haven't seen it. I've heard good things. I would really like it. Like, I I think she's really good in it, considering like she's the youngest, probably the youngest actress in it, and she's done probably the least like serious acting Mm. roles. Like, I mean, she's next to like Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah, the queen of doing serious. Um, the queen of range. <laughs> um, I think she's really good in that. Also, she has been in like a, an Oscar-winning film as well. She was in... I can't remember the name of it, but it's got George Clooney in it. Oh. But, so, I do think she's actually... I, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence has obviously won Oscars, but I just don't think she has that much range. Doesn't That's have the range. So, yeah, so I think they... Um, People just hated on Triss, really, and said she was just, like, a cheap knockoff of um, Katniss. And... I think she is. Uh, I don't think she's in the book. I think she's, like... I feel very, like, passionate about Triss in the book, because I felt she was really complex, because a lot of people don't like her, which I thought was just really good, refreshing to read. Yeah. <laughs> also, I re- they always, like... They wrote about like the fact she had a hooked nose a lot, and I really like. I oh, just really liked that nose representation. Those <laughs> young guys like, oh, yeah. Tell me more about people's big noses. I want to know. I can relate to that. <laughs> but also, did it not like also kind of fail because of Shailene Woodley? Because I think I read. Did she not? Was she not the one that left? Like she yeah. refused to do Allegiant Two. Yeah, she publicly when it. So they didn't. The first film did first Allegiant film didn't get enough in the box office, so they had to say it's going to be made for telly, like made oh, for that's TV. That's so embarrassing, and that's oh, why. No. So she's like all the cast kind of pulled out, and she publicly said that um, she wasn't going to. She didn't sign up to make it made for TV. Did anyone not like? Did anyone not pull out? Was anyone still on board? I don't think so. I think everyone had gone. <laughs> I feel like like I would have really left if like Theo James was still on board he was still right <laughs> like because I don't see Theo James in very much anymore no he had a moment and then he was on like one perfume ad and now he's just yeah <laughs> he's not around I think he did a film with Emily Rattish Ratter did he Ratter you... I know who you can mean can you say the second name I can't say is, is M. Ratter it's like M. Ratter Jagowski that's definitely yeah not. I think it's something like that. Okay, you know, M. Ratter. I only know it's M. Ratter. They did a film together. I don't know what the film is, but the only reason I know they did is they did one of those Google autocomplete interviews together. Oh. And it's one of the most boring ones <laughs> available. It's so boring. Or maybe they didn't do that. Maybe they did, like, those, you know, when pe- like celebrities talk about, like, slang. They'll, like, be like, oh, oh we- yeah, because she's American they and might English. Have- yes, I think I've They seen- might have done that, yeah. and it was just just so boring i'll try find it and link it with this but he doesn't seem like the most fun person like he just he was more like fun than her right but i think maybe maybe they just didn't have chemistry because i actually think she seems like kind of a nice person yeah i think so a point about her does you know she's pregnant yeah but every time i see pictures of her pregnant it just looks like a normal person like (laughs) 
It looks like she's maybe just puffing her stomach out. Yeah. Like, that just looks... You know when you just, like, puff your stomach yep. out a bit? That looks like me doing that, and I swear she's, like, quite quite pregnant <laughs> at this point. And every time I see her, I'm like, oh, how is she pregnant? That is just my stomach. So a picture of her in, like, low-rise jeans and a crop top the other day, and her pregnancy belly is just my belly. Normal belly, yep. Yeah, it's just not... It's still so toned. It's like, huh. How do you have a toned pregnancy bump? How? <laughs> like, that would never be me. I Honestly, if I ever get pregnant, I'm going to be one of those people that just, just decides to gain so much weight. Mm-hmm. I, I just think like, I wouldn't get through it without food. No, absolutely. And, like, there's an excuse not to walk so you don't overexert yourself. Exactly. I'm going to be like, I, everything I'll do, I'll be like, it's for the baby. I'm not going to move for nine months. It's for the baby. I can't possibly have a job. It's for the baby. I don't want to stress out the baby. Everything that's that's the only good thing about being pregnant is just making everyone look after you. <laughs> like, I can't do that. I'm having a baby. But yeah, um, R.I.P. to Divergent. Um, but I think it was like, and also Maze Runner flopped as well. Like, the, so it wasn't just Divergent. Making it sound like that was like the death knell in YA, but no, I think you get into the next bit where it's like. Riverdale and weirds. Well, that's that's what I was just thinking. Cole Sprouse. In a couple, in a, yeah, well, in a couple of years, they'll probably make Divergent on Netflix in a TV yeah. show. Which, I suppose, benefit to that. I think a lot of YA novels now are probably being made into TV shows, which I think is a much better platform Like Dash and Lily, which I had read it, as a it works children's, not children's, but YA book. And then you said it was a really good Netflix film. Yeah, show. well, I think it works specifically with because so many YA books are like serialized, there's like yeah. three of them a lot of time, four more. Because of that, it works better to have them as TV shows mm-hmm. where there's seasons rather than like a lot of movies and they're always going to go downhill. Yeah. So I just think TV show works. I mean, look at like the best example for that, and I think this is what people follow now is like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I think what it used to be was like we'll follow like Twilight and the Hunger Games and we'll do that. Yeah. Whereas now I think more like YA books and even other books are trying to follow um, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and what they did, which was get, do a really good TV show. Yeah. I think that's kind of the future. Yeah. <laughs> people prefer TV now a lot, I think. Yeah. I know a lot of people would be like, I don't really like movies anymore. Well, especially because we've had a year kind of without them. Like, I know some cinemas And especially when, like we've both said, we have very short attention Such spans. Such a short attention span. And weak bladders. Like, you expect me to sit in a cinema for, like... Like, films are so long now as well. <laughs> I've got a, I, do, I have a cast iron bladder. I do not need... I have a really... Well, actually, it's got better now. I, my bladder's pretty good now, except... <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Going to Probably sleep. Probably the content you didn't... <laughs> just we got no, this is, you're getting this, because... <laughs> and here's the thing. I do need to share this. My bladder will be fine all day, like, recently. It's been really good. I've been really proud of it. Um, And then... Before I go to sleep, I swear I go for about five weeks. I'll be just about to get to sleep, wake up, wee. Nearly asleep again. Need a wee. And then I'll wake up at like four in the morning and have to go for a wee. So I don't know what's happening. You're living with like, middle-aged people, suddenly... that's what it is. <laughs> but like, during the day, I drink a lot of water and I just, I'm, I'm like storing it like a camel. <laughs> and then like, nighttime comes and suddenly my bird is like, mm, guess who's here? Guess who's here to play? And then... I just all I can think of about is like if I go to sleep, I can forget about it. But what if I just wet myself in my sleep? How embarrassing! I've never done that before, so like I no, don't I've know. I've never done it. I don't know if that's how it happens. I mean, I've probably done it as a child, like a baby. <laughs> she wasn't just like so, <laughs> like I was eight immediately months. Immediately <laughs> potty drained. Immediately <laughs> on the toilet. 
perfect. Yeah. I was the perfect child. No. <laughs> Obviously, as a child, I was a mess. But, like, I'd never done... You know, people <laughs> are like, oh, I got... the child I was a mess. You know, like, people are like, oh, I got so drunk and then I, I wet myself. I, it's just, I've never done no, that. No, I've never done that. And then, I was watching Loose Women the other day because I'm, uh, like, unemployed. And, um... One of the women was saying she'd been on I'm a Celebrity. I can't remember which loose woman it was, but one of the loose women. And she said when she got there, because it was in the jungle, in the middle of the night, she needed a wee, but she didn't want to get up and go through the jungle on her own. So she just wet herself in the bed. No. Is that not really weird? I don't like that. just like, I, think, I, I feel like, like that's... Why don't you just wake someone that's up like psych- and be like, come wee yeah, with me? Yeah, that's like psychopath behaviour, I feel like. Yeah. And she said it so casually, no. and I was like... Uh, so you just—you'd rather <laughs> sleep in your wet bed than just walk through the jungle. <laughs> it's weird to me. I don't. I don't like weird that. Weird occasion. Yeah. Anyway, um, should we end with what our favorite YA book was? Uh, well, actually, I have a question. Ooh, okay. Because it's my question for you, where you oh. have to answer in a self-centered manner. If you don't know and this is your first time listening to the podcast or you've just never got this far in, uh, every week when we do this podcast, I ask Holly a question at the end of the podcast and she has to answer in a self-centered way and by that I mean she just has to talk about herself. Um, so my question today is based on YA books. Um, so, if you could go back and visit yourself as a 10-year-old mm-hmm. and you have to bring one YA book that they can read whenever they're old enough but you can only bring one which one would it be? Like, you're going to introduce yourself to this book and it's going to... Change your world. Change your life. This is the book that... This is the one way why a book that changed your life, essentially. That made you the person you are. <laughs> so hard. Um, yeah. I think, because of how many times I've read it, yeah. um, I think, what is it? Angel by L.A. Weatherly? Yes. Did you read that book? Uh, I absolutely did, um, but I will say that it, it kind of blurs in with some other books. There was like the angel I craze. Like there was a there was a lot <laughs> of angel, of, like, angel books. Yes, I think that was a weird branch of YA, wasn't it? I loved. I really loved it, and I don't know if um, our listeners have seen our Instagram, but um, you can see the year that I got it from the picture of. Um, where I'm holding up Eclipse DVD. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's didn't it's that. in a pile of books beside me. <laughs> and um, yeah, I absolutely, it's like, like the spine is falling apart and all the romantic bits because I just love, I was like, I want this. This is what I want. But if it wasn't that, is- that I would. it would be The Scorpio Races by um, Maggie Stavata. Stavata. Okay, I never read that. Um, she wrote those, like The Shiver Werewolf lot yeah and scorpio races was my favorite i would read it every year around like autumn time do you still read it now i haven't read it in a few since uni and i'm a bit scared too but i still think i think she re- she like had beautiful prose for ya oh that's lovely and i would yeah if you have like a 14 year old in your life go buy <laughs> them a maggie's debater book because i just was like oh i want to write like her so, yeah that's lovely. That's a lovely answer, and I hope you get the opportunity to try and travel <laughs> and really let your ten-year-old self experience that. What would you choose? I know you, I've 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 answered. <laughs> what would you choose? Yeah. Okay. She's decided to end the question not being self-centered <laughs> by asking me what I think, but that's we'll allow it. She did answer in a self-centered way. Um, I think I would choose because I I really love this book. Um. 
It's called the coldest girl in the coldest girl in cold town. Is it? And it's vampires. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's vampires. It's by. Oh my gosh, I can't remember what her name is, but oh, Holly Black, I think oh, she did the yeah. Spider Week Chronicles. Yes. Yeah. Um, but she, if you like, sort of like gothic fairy tale things, she does that, mm. and I obviously love gothic fairy tales because um, they're the best. <laughs> uh, but she, the coldest girl in Cold Town, is about. Um, it's kind of like vampires exist, but they're almost treated like zombies. Like they're just messy. Like no one wants this. And this girl gets. She goes to a party and she wakes up in the morning because she went to sleep in the bath because she's had a bad night. <laughs> she wakes up and like all her friends are dead because like a vampire's come in. And then she like pops into a room and she sees her ex-boyfriend's being bitten by a vampire. And there's this other vampire that's chained up by the wall and she's like, okay, come on. Let's go on a road trip. I'm going to take you to Cold Town, which is where all the vampires should be. She take And it's just about a road trip. It's kind of funny. <laughs> gothic fun we love um and it's a one-off which is kind of cool it, I, appreciate I wish that there was more. more yeah yeah i wish there was more because i kind of would like to see where it went mm-hmm. but there's just one and i think that's kind of cool like because then you can have the opportunity to be like oh where would this go yeah. if there was well that would be anyway ruined. i really like that um and i actually read it again quite recently i it's kind of old for a young adult like i feel like you would probably mm. read it when you were like 15 <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd read it younger. I don't know. I don't know what the youths do now. <laughs> but anyway, um, have you got any final thoughts, Holly? Um, just, just it's just come into my mind. Um, it was kind of they're not for young adults. It's not like young adult book. Okay. But the Addicted to You series by they were they were written by twins. So Christopher and Becca Ritchie. Which wow, is, and they're very like they have a lot of sex in them. So they're not. Um, for children, yeah. so I wouldn't give, Don't give it to your wouldn't give it to my ten year old self. <laughs> but they've got to a point now where every five months or something, they yeah. So they've started. There's like ten books in the series for the children of this. Like they they basically they essentially just write fan fiction of their own books, and it's incredible. And I still read that's every mad. Single one of them. I actually <laughs> love that. That's like you know, like. If I was to like say to people like, "Oh, I'd like to write write a book in the future," I think they think like, "I want to be like the next, like Charles Dickens." I don't know why that was the only person <laughs> I could think of. <laughs> I can't think of any modern female writers, so I just Charles like Charles Dickens. Dickens. Anyway, uh, that's not at all what I mean. What I want to write is the trashiest, <laughs> like terriblest stuff ever. I have no desire to write well. I have desire to like write just terrible stuff that people just like i want to write beach reads yes that's all i want to yeah. read i want to read the bad stuff because like it's fun to write mm-hmm. and you get paid loads but it's not that hard no i'm sorry if i've offended any beach writers but like, <laughs> i think it'd be great like, holly holly writes like really like cool like stuff <laughs> that's really like nicely written <laughs> i i just want to write like People having drama, people being murdered. Amazing. So it's, there's a niche for everything. That's the, and also I always yeah, think that's the beauty. It would be incredible. Like I would be more than happy if I had a one-hit wonder by one bestseller in my whole life because it sets you up. You get possible revenue for your whole life, and you can do what you want. 
You can write what you want. It doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to be acclaimed. But you can just... You are set up. It's so easy to, like, write and get published now. Like, not... Okay, if you want to get published well, no, it's not. (laughs) But if you, like, want to publish yourself... So easy. You can publish yourself so easily. So, in a way, that can be a hobby. I mean, you don't have to have a... Yeah, you can just write terrible stuff, publish it on Amazon. Some people are going to, like, put it on for free. Some people are going to read it. I read some terrible stuff because it was free on Kindle back in the day. Yeah. Like, some terrible well, that's stuff. that's how the Addicted Series started. Like, they self-published, and then it became, like, a bestseller. Oh, my God. Good for them. That's what... Okay, that's I what I don't even know I'm how many do. books... I think there might be... So, the original series, I think they had maybe, like, four books from the first couple... Then they had three books for each of the sisters. So there was two sisters each. So that's like... And then they had like a final book that had everyone's point of view in it. The men and the women. And now they're on the children. So there's like... We're like ten books into the children's. It's... That's so good. <laughs> that's incredible. And they have a Patreon and where they just... Them. They just write like scenes they want to write that they didn't get to put in the book. So it's essentially fan... Oh. It's literally fan fiction their own stuff well i mean i feel like people like to hate on fan fiction but like there is actually i feel like there's probably some really good writing on that mm. like i feel like that's where people learn like that they want to write did you I ever think... read i never wrote any fan fiction i will admit but did you ever no, read the harry potter one that was about um james and lily no it but... was incredible like honest to god is this the one everyone talks about Possibly. is it or is there's one that everyone talks about. I actually don't think it's that, but there's one everyone talks about that's like it was. You know when it's called like the in play our time, came out, our, our time or so. It had like time in the title. Oh, so what happened? Was it good? It was really it? like I think it kind of tailed off at the end, but I think the way that they kind of plotted all the characters and it was just oh, it was just really really well done. Well done, well, well done, Halsey. <laughs> um, committed fan fiction writers out there. All the people who put published their own books themselves and put them on Amazon. Incredible. All the people who write on Wattpad. Yes. You've got potential. Think like, what's that? The the kissing booth. And that, after that making mil. Yeah, those girls are making millions mm-hmm. now. Like, if you want to write some cheesy romance, you go do it. Or even and you do it because you're passionate about it. Even the gross stuff and um could turn into the mortal instruments, which was based off a. Damn. Or was it Ron and Ginny incest plot? Ron and Ginny incest fan fiction, <laughs> which we really should have seen because um, Yikes. there is a major incest storyline. There's a few, in that isn't whole there? Series, yeah, it's the main part of the series, <laughs> and the fact that we all read that and thought, yeah, seems normal to me <laughs> that these them. characters that were in a relationship one minute ago are now potentially brother and sister. Seems right to me. <laughs> Not one of us questioned that. Not one. No. And we should have known. We should, we should have, have seen known. it coming. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Yes. I think like one final message to anyone that's made to the end, any of our listeners. Um, we love you. We do. Um, with our whole hearts. And also, um, I think let us know some stuff. I think let us know what's your favourite young adult novel. What do you think about Divergent? Do you think yeah. that was good? Do you think it's bad? Do you think you never heard of it? The Fault in Our Stars. Do you like that? Do we still love John Green? Do we not love John Green? Yeah. Has he done some problematic stuff that I've missed out? Are the, bo- the books more problematic than I've mentioned? Mm. Like, I know there is some discussion about how he handles race in them, and I'd love to hear more oh, about yeah. that. I just couldn't find much written on mm-hmm. it. 
So please let us know some things about you. Please like and subscribe. Visit our socials. They're all linked somewhere. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, if you could, let us know what you want to hear more about. Yeah. Um, is there a particular time period that you want to hear more about? Is there a celebrity you want to hear more about? We will talk about anything. We will. And, you know, tell all your friends, tell your family about us. We might not be their cup of tea, but... <laughs> they can give us a go. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much thank you. for listening. Uh, Holly, you just say something before we go. So say your final words. Um, Just have a... I've, I've put her on the spot. <laughs> have a good week, and um, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.